We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. When it comes to investing in innovation, trust the experts. Robo Global provides laser-focused investment portfolios that deliver access to robotics, AI, and healthcare innovation globally. The HTech portfolio captures the technologies transforming the medical space, providing unique exposure to best-in-class companies. Investors, turn to this diversified approach backed by research from the experts. Learn more today at roboglobal.com/htec. You are listening to the Tuesday, October 10th edition of Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Pat Corain on Twitter, at Pat Corain. And with me is uh, Sean Siegel on Twitter, at FF underscore Contrarian. Sean, great to have you on the show. It's going to be an exciting one tonight. We have one of my favorites in Ryan McDowell joining us a little bit later to talk about uh, how to structure your fantasy league, give us some, some ideas about some of the coolest leagues that are out there, talk about this week's results, and then also cover a few developmental players, look at some of the highlights in college football that might affect how you make those all-important future trades. So, very excited for this show. Yeah, it's, it's great to have Ryan on and get kind of that dynasty angle. Um, we talk a lot of dynasty on this show. Uh we you know get into the rookie class and all of that in the off season, but you know since the season started we've really been kind of diving into the football each week, really kind of having more of a redraft bent to to the show, and it was cool just to get Ryan's thoughts on some of the stuff long term, some of the stuff we saw Sunday, the big developments with running backs, um, getting bigger workloads than expected, breaking out. Um, it was cool to get Ryan's kind of long term view on that dynasty trade advice on some of those guys and then yeah get into some of the college prospects which i'm not uh i don't watch a ton of college football 
Not the hugest fan of college football, but uh, I then kind of do my deep dive every uh, January and February and, and kind of play catch up. But uh, it was cool to see, you know, Ryan's take on this class uh, as it stands right now. So a lot of really great stuff there. Uh, definitely check that out. Um, but yeah, kind of just wanted to get some of your thoughts on the week, Sean. Uh, uh, how did uh, how did the week go for you and, and what jumped out to you on Sunday? Well, it was an exciting week again, I think, for the fantasy teams, and it was a it was an odd week I, I, as a as a fan. First, it was a little disappointing to see the Arizona Cardinals look so bad again, and then also, man, my Detroit Lions they they're having a good season in a lot of ways. They're three and two. They have a a positive point differential, but. What they're doing on offense continues to be just so frustrating. Matthew Stafford now has fallen to, if you look at points per game, and this brings in some players who probably are a little bit less relevant, but he's dropped to QB 20 and hasn't broken 20 points since the first week. And the entire structure of what they're doing seemingly doesn't make a lot of sense. They're in the middle of the pack in rushing attempts and a week ago they got what looked to be a little bit of a breakout game from Amir Abdullah and so even though he's someone I've suggested you not own for your fantasy teams that was exciting Abdullah has some impressive athleticism and occasionally he's able to display that but it just still doesn't really work that well within this offense so they're middle of the pack in attempts but they're eighth worst in terms of rushing fantasy points over expectation on a per game basis so they continue to run the ball even though they're very ineffective with it and it's starting to be a little bit of a concern their passing game overall that through three quarters they they really struggle with it they're three and two so you could say the game flow has mostly been in their favor but in a lot of these situations it, it hasn't necessarily and it's it's only in the desperation moments that that they seem to be interested in in unleashing Matthew Stafford I mean, he is the guy on their offense. They've got Golden Tate. They've got Marvin Jones. Obviously, they have Eric Ebron, who is struggling through a nightmarish season. And then they have Abdullah. But but the guy is Matthew Stafford. And so if you're not going to let him try and win the game for you, then then that's frustrating. It can't only be in catch-up mode. But then also, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, they're not getting open. They're not allowing the Lions to control the game in the, in the passing game, and we saw that again against Carolina, where it was only when they started throwing to the backup tight end and the fifth-string wide receiver that they were really able to have any effectiveness. So both as a Lions fan and as a dynasty owner, really hoping that Kenny Galladay can come back sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, I, kinda, I just want to give... Uh... Uh, a Scott Pianowski tweet, a shout out here. I saw this on Sunday as I was trying to figure out what the heck was happening with Eric Ebron. Tweeted out, you should drop Eric Ebron like he's a pass intended for Eric Ebron, which I think sums this situation up pretty well. Um, I didn't really get a chance to watch much of this game in particular, and I was just sort of confused, like what was going on that Darren Fells was getting you know, two touchdowns, I guess just two targets, 24 yards. Um what, was it just kind of a random thing that, or was he actually playing over Ebron? Well, he's definitely gotten more playing time. He had more playing time 
against the Vikings than he has been. They've been rotating those players, and they've still been throwing the ball to Ebron, trying to get him involved. He's such a big-time athlete, and they don't exactly have that on their team or on their team in the important positions. They have Golden Tate, who for an underneath receiver is very athletic, but he's not someone who has this combination of size and speed that really changes the game or makes the defense account for him. Obviously, they've got athleticism with Abdullah, but he's so small and the blocking is so poor that they're not really able to to make that work. You look at someone like we mentioned last week, Aaron Jones, who we're going to talk about quite a bit later on the show, but is very similar. And then you see in a game with the Green Bay Packers that, okay, within that offense, you know, that kind of running back can be successful. And then I think there's just an argument that Jones is actually a much better player than Abdullah. But but even if you don't believe that, it, it's just a very difficult situation with what they're trying to do offensively. And, and they need somebody to make some plays before they're at, at the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, they almost came back against the Falcons and, you know, it probably did and got the game stolen by the officials. They almost came back against the Panthers, but they're getting controlled in these games. And for a team that has Matthew Stafford, that has a defense that has been a real breakout sort of defense, performed much better than was expected, or at least they did until this weekend where the Panthers and Camp Newton owned them. You just want them to to do more offensively. And Galladay is really that guy. I mean, I know that he has been a trendy player. We wrote a bunch about him on Rotoviz at the beginning of the offseason, encouraged our readers to pick him up. Obviously, then many other people obviously, uh, were also on board with him. You know, he had this tremendous combine, then uh, excellent training camp. Then he has this huge first game before the hamstring injury has sidelined him. So when you're talking about one game for for a player, even even Stephen Hill, who will go down in Rotoviz history as as one of the biggest busts, he our official Rotoviz Dynasty League, the two divisions are named after Hill and Marvin McNutt. So so those are kind of our two guys there. I think we should start a third one for Bishop Snacky. Yes. Well if if we can uh Bring in, bring in some more players. Extend the league. Have have a second, uh, have a second conference. We need to have the two conferences there. Right. And, and Sankey would definitely be the the first division when we do our expansion draft. <laughs> yeah. So even Hill had this this huge first game before. You know, I'd like to think that just um, he was good, and then the injuries caused him caused him to, to not be successful, although in some ways, obviously, for him, that's that would be even more disappointing. But with Galladay, we have a lot of we have a lot of potential, we have a lot of excitement, and the offense just desperately needs what what he brings to the table. So hopefully he'll be back. And if you have Matthew Stafford as your quarterback and you've suffered through these last four games, hopefully when he does come back, he will have an impact. And Ebron, it I just feel so bad for him because he, he's obviously struggling similarly to, to Amari Cooper, but you know, with, without two years of production to, to go back on. He actually had a touchdown in this game, but the ball went through a defender's hands right before it got to him. So in that circumstance, you'd still love to see the player make the great play, but it, it almost seems like fate is even conspiring against him now, where 
he's made to look bad because on this play where he has a touchdown, it's actually a much more difficult play than, than it probably looks like in some ways. So, so that was unfortunate. And the lions loss was unfortunate for, for their fans. But the flip side of that obviously is that if you're a Cam Newton owner, if you're a Devin Funches owner, that game was very exciting. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned Galladay um, coming back soon and uh, you know, thinking that he could be what they need. You know, maybe people have, kind of forgotten about him a little bit um he he had that big first game he was that kind of trendy pick but is he someone that you'd be trying to maybe steal away from owners doing something like uh a a two for two with galladay is kind of the the not the the primary target basically looking like maybe a throw in a sweetener that type of thing you know you're getting galladay and a player back maybe for one player on your end something like that um what kind of offers would you be trying to throw out for Galladay right now? Well, I think certainly in Dynasty, if you can involve him in sort of a two-for-trade, anytime you're doing one-for-one, one, I think that's just always very difficult to, to come up with the right value. But if you can bring him in as the second player involved, this is certainly the perfect time. He was dropped in several of my NFFC leagues last week, and that's a 20-roster spot format. So you can carry a pretty decent number of players in that format. So I'm guessing that in most formats that tend to be 16 roster spot or 18 roster spot, that he either is available now or after another week of not playing, he will probably be available. Although at a certain point, you're starting to hope that he comes back and maybe people will start picking him up again. I think if you're an enthusiast and the people who who tend to be on the Galladay hype train are, are definitely enthusiasts, myself included, I think what you're hoping for is this Will Fuller type of explosion where, you know, Fuller is someone we wrote about a lot on Rotoviz as not just someone who actually deserved to be drafted in the first round, which he was, and, and in some ways looked at as a reach there, but very possibly the best wide receiver in that class. Now, it's a very weak class, and Corey Coleman has been hurt by multiple injuries and then obviously poor and and dispiriting quarterback play when he is healthy. I think those are, are sort of the two main guys. But Will Fuller had, had great numbers, great age-adjusted numbers to go with athleticism that I think tends to be overlooked. You know, he has some drops, and, and drops do matter. I mean, you look at where Ebron is, you know, he's almost playing pass defense on himself. You look... <laughs> At, obviously we've discussed Amari Cooper at length and and those drops not only do they affect where the quarterback starts to look on plays but they but they affect the receiver himself and that that can't help but hurt you as you go and and try to perform in what's a very difficult and competitive environment at the same time they can be overrated and I think for someone like Will Fuller they are overrated you know, you saw in this game against the Chiefs where, to a certain extent, some of these touchdowns that Deshaun Watson has gotten have been lucky. And certainly some of the plays that Will Fuller has made are not the kinds of plays you can count on every week. But that is what Will Fuller brings to the table, as someone who can get deep and who can score a touchdown at any moment. And in that game against the Chiefs, you saw the opposite of what the narrative is for him, where he made some very difficult grabs. And so if you if you can add some of those plays in there as well, I think it, it definitely mitigates the concerns about drops almost completely. 
bringing it back to, around to the idea of Galladay, you have someone, again, who I think can make those plays. Now, whether or not he will at the NFL level beyond that first game, whether the offense will allow him to do it if Matthew Stafford takes those shots deep. But I think there's that potential. And certainly, you know, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones are not the players who are going to take a Matthew Stafford and get him up to that top level. They're not the kinds of players who are going to take the Detroit Lions to the Super Bowl. So if there's if there's sort of a dream or, or magical scenario for that team and for the specific players in the offense, I think it does have to be Galladay who makes that all come to fruition. Cool. All right. Well, let's leave it there for now. Um, I want to get to our interview with Ryan McDowell uh, of Dynasty League Football and Roto World, who you can follow on Twitter at RyanMC23. And we're going to get to that interview as soon as I remind you that you can get a listener's only 30% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass through the Rotoviz NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content, and it also helps support the podcast. Uh, also, you can help support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz radio channel on iTunes. And in case you missed that last week, um, we now have uh, a Rotoviz football show feed on iTunes. So if you just want to subscribe to this show and a kind of smaller handful of shows, uh, you can you can do that via the Rotoviz football feed on iTunes and um, you know ratings and reviews really help there since we're trying to launch the individual feeds for each of the shows. Uh, each of the shows are going to have their own individual feeds in, uh, in addition to the kind of main channel feed that you are probably subscribed to currently. Uh, so definitely, uh, if you got a free moment, help us out. Pop on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Let's get to our interview with Ryan McDowell. Please welcome to the show, Ryan McDowell, a senior writer for Dynasty League Football and a contributor to Roto World. You can follow him on Twitter at RyanMC23. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, Pat. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're excited to have you, Ryan. You're famous in the fantasy community for the number and the complexity of leagues that you run. I don't think it would be out of line for me to call you the top commissioner in fantasy football. Maybe there's some others out there. Hopefully we'll hear from some other people who have some great leagues they do, but 
This year, I've had the chance to play in Kitchen Cinco, which is the first season of the fifth Kitchen Sink League, if I understand correctly. And this format has everything. It has super flex, it has tight end premium, uh, it had an auction startup for veteran players, then an auction for rookies, then an auction for developmental players. Uh, owners have to assign contracts of one to four years for veterans. You have a taxi squad, Devi slots. Um, then in the off season, owners are allowed to designate players with a franchise tag, transition tag, restricted free agent tags. And in order for somebody else to get those RFAs away, they have to use all-purpose funds, which go to a variety of things, including the free agent bidding uh, and future draft picks. Moreover, all of these things are tradable, which makes the trade landscape just absolutely crazy. And and Ryan was awesome when he invited me. He actually, uh, we had a phone call, and, and he went through the rules with me for 20, 30 minutes, which which means I attempt to violate them only once or twice a week <laughs> instead of just, just constantly. Uh, Ryan, what's your favorite element of these leagues and what would you recommend other commissioners adopt? Well, trying, I think trying to pick my favorite aspect of, of the kitchen sink leagues might be like trying to pick my favorite child of, of my three. But um, for me, it's probably just, just the auction format in general that has become um, a favorite of mine. I have, I actually try not to really even participate in any more startup dynasty drafts uh, i i just strongly prefer the auction and then specifically the format of the kitchen sink leagues with multiple auctions throughout the off season uh, there there's always something happening from february through august in these leagues there's uh, there's nearly an auction every month so that just keeps the activity up i think uh, all the participants in the five leagues really enjoy that that aspect of it uh, so, so that would probably be my go-to and, and my suggestion for, uh, for other commissioners. Of course, it would be uh, difficult and, and maybe even impossible to turn uh, an existing league into an auction league. But if you're considering starting a new league, I would certainly go the route of, of the auction. And I think those auctions are a lot of fun. You and I ended up with quite a bit of money toward the end of our rookie auction and i ended up spending about the same amount on aaron jones that the owner who managed to come down with kareem hunt spent on him now that doesn't look quite as bad this week as it's looked uh, leading up to it but but managing those funds in those auctions is a pretty big deal do you have any recommendations for owners who are trying to uh, balance that or prepare for that in in their rookie auctions. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult, and I think that's part of the challenge. That every every auction I've participated in, and and you named them earlier, but rookie auctions, Devi auctions, free agent, and, and of course the startup auctions over the five seasons of kitchen sink leagues. You can see trends and things like that, but in general, they're all very different as far as team building strategy that that the different owners are, are implementing and things like that. If I had to pick out one thing that is true across, um, across all the different auctions and, and the five kitchen sink leagues, I would say the earlier you can get in 
on a, on a player, the better. So if you're nominated, if you, if there's a player you, you really want to target, I would just go ahead and, and throw him up for a nomination on the first day, put your bid out there. And uh, a lot of times, like in your example with Hunt and Jones, uh, it may look like a value by the end of the auction. Well, let's talk about uh, Jones a little bit more, actually. Um, you know, one of the things I think that jumped out the most from Sunday uh, was just how good Aaron Jones looked in that role and how big his role was on Sunday, not really sharing time so much with Jamal Williams. It's just kind of having Jamal Williams backing him up. But Marlon Mack, another rookie, uh, also looked really great on Sunday as well, um, you know, scoring and, and just looking pretty pretty quick. So who were you more impressed with, Ryan? Um, and do you think that one or both of these guys has a chance to wrestle away the starting job for the rest of the season? Um, and kind of curious what you think about them, both in redraft and dynasty. Sure. I, I thought obviously both were really impressive this week. Um, and Jones got a lot of the attention. I think he's currently the running back three uh, on the week. So obviously a, a big time performance from him. And it will, it will be interesting to see how that backfield looks going forward, whether it's uh, some type of, of committee attack, which I think is is probably most likely at this point, or if they just return to Montgomery. Uh, but for me, Mac was actually the more impressive of the two. He, uh, I think he only had nine or ten touches on, on the day, uh, a couple of long runs, uh, one touchdown, and, and almost had a second one. Uh, so he just... Uh, he looks so much more explosive than Frank Gore, which is no surprise at this point. And um, Gore's had ob- obviously a great career, but at this point they have to have to give Mac more touches. I think both of those guys in uh, both Mac and Jones at this point are closing in on being worth a first round uh, first round pick in, in dynasty leagues. I don't know that I'm ready to pay that for them in, in a trade, but uh certainly a second rounder wouldn't get it done. So there are a couple of the players who at this point are probably worth more than a second round pick, but less than a first. Yeah. I think in, yeah, I think in dynasty, you know, the, the, the Mac Jones gap, I think is a little bigger because in favor of Mac, because you've got such a, a clear opening there for the lead role. Um, but of course I think if Montgomery uh, or rather, if Jones was able to replace Montgomery as the true lead back in Green Bay, there would potentially be even more upside uh, for him in that role uh, than even Mack would have being the, the running back for Andrew Luck um, going forward, assuming that they don't start to incorporate Mack in a, in a true bell cow role. Um, do you kind of do you agree with that? Do you see Mack's opportunity as a little bit more juicy in Dynasty? Would he be... Uh, your preference in dynasty beyond just kind of what we saw this week? Yeah, I think so. Um, he had, uh, I guess, kind of a, a more established uh, dynasty value coming in uh, into the season and, and throughout the off season, throughout the draft process, et cetera. So, and I certainly like the opportunity there. Um, Gore is, is nearing the end. And, and I think, it's not a stretch to say that the Colts are going to continue to struggle this year. At some point, I expect them to give the majority of the touches to Mac just to kind of find out what they have as they continue to build that roster. So, 
Um, I, I do think he has that clearer path, and I think by the end of the season, uh, he'll he'll be the one of the two with more value. But both of those guys are just good reminders of why it's uh, why it can be really profitable to load up on second and third round rookie picks. Right, we had a number of very interesting developments with different running back committees this weekend. I was looking at our screener, and for the season, on 37 attempts, Alex Collins has created nine fantasy points over expectation. By contrast, Thomas Rawls and Eddie Lacy together are just shy of 10 points below expectation on 38 attempts. Now, we talk a lot about how difficult running back evaluation is, and it's notoriously difficult even for coaches when they have players in practice and get to see them every day. Uh, So some of it is just a matter of this position outside of those guys at the very edges. It's it's very difficult to evaluate. When you look at those players, do you think the results from this first month, do they tell us more about Collins, more about the Seattle running game, or are these merely the types of fluctuations you would expect to see in a small sample? I would would say it probably tells us the most about the Seattle running game. We, We all know that. Uh, that offensive line is is in shambles. I think they lost another one of their linemen today or, or this uh, this past weekend with an injury. So it, it's only going to get worse. Um, looking at, at that backfield, <clears throat> excuse me, prior to the season of Rawls, Lacey, and Procise, all three of those guys are players who have had injury trouble recently. And, and I was kind of on record saying I didn't want any of them. I was certainly intrigued by Chris Carson. But unfortunately, he was uh, another one who went down with an injury. So overall, that's just a situation uh, I'm avoiding. And Collins has looked has looked good for Baltimore uh, overall. But again, not not a player I'm overly excited about. I want to move to uh, another running back committee. Uh, this one being a bit of a surprise this week that it was a committee. Uh, the 49ers with Carlos Hyde and Matt Breda. Um, Hyde had been getting a lot of the work. He's banged up, uh, but you know this week, maybe because he's banged up, or maybe something more. It was really a split um, between Hyde and Breda. Offseason reports suggested Hyde was on the outs in San Francisco. Um, there was also a weekend report claiming an extension might be in the works. So things have been kind of all over the map with where Hyde stands as a 49er. Uh, and then Sunday obviously made that picture even more confusing. So how are you viewing the situation with Hyde and Breda in uh, in San Francisco? I guess this weekend's game just made me think back to the entire offseason when we heard reports that the new 49ers coaching staff would not be necessarily interested in, in retaining Hyde. Uh, there were even rumors at one point that they would cut or trade him. So in that aspect, aspect, this is not really a surprise. But for a team like that, that has so few offensive weapons, uh, Hyde started the season strongly. He had three top 20 fantasy performances in the first three weeks. Um, obviously, the, the injury slowed him down a little bit over the past two weeks. But um, I, I'm really surprised to see them moving away from them, uh, away from him, and, and being so vocal about it. That's one thing we don't see and, and hear from a lot of coaches. But for Shanahan to admit that uh, the decision on, on Sunday was not 
not necessarily related to the injury, but more of the hot hand situation. And then to come out today and say that that would continue with uh, basically with a timeshare is not not the honesty we always get from head coaches. And, and it actually kind of makes me wonder if, if Shanahan is being honest. Maybe this is a good buy low opportunity for Carlos Hyde this week. And so when you say a buy low this week, you're looking at Hyde as someone you want back or you're looking to uh, try and capitalize off of Brita lower than he'll get uh, if we have one more week of this. Yeah, I'm referring to Hyde. Um, again, he started the season with uh, three top 20 games. He's um, uh, probably safe to say he's playing as well as he has at any stretch of, of his career. Uh, unfortunately, that has been cut short uh, almost every season by injury. So this three or four game stretch of of impressive fantasy performances is actually pretty rare for him. Um, and if he if he does get out of San Francisco following this season, I think uh, th- there will be some um, some demand to sign him. So. Yeah, with with this kind of bad news, uh, quote unquote bad news for Hyde and and Breda coming up and and earning a, a larger share, I think Hyde would be a player I target over the next few days in trade talks. All right, well, in kitchen sink, I at one point or another this offseason owned all of the other 49ers, so I've made a pretty strong bet against Hyde, and things started to come to fruition a little bit this weekend. We'll see. If that continues to develop, I certainly agree that he's going to be someone who uh, will be highly in demand, regardless of of how things go. Speaking of Hyde there, we're going to have more with Ryan in just a second. But right now, I think Pat has an announcement for us on who won the much coveted Rotoviz pullover. Yep, that's right. Um, So this has been a a giveaway contest that we had with my bookie. Um, If you went on... My bookie signed up at mybookie.ag and then forward us a copy of your confirmation uh, using the code Roto Radio. Then um, you got a, a chance to win a Rotoviz athletic pullover. Mine has, has arrived, the pretty sharp gray with the, the red logo. So um, we went ahead and did the drawing. Uh, and so the winner of the My Bookie Rotoviz sports pullover is Steve Lowe. Uh, so, Steve. Get in touch with the show, rotavizradio at gmail.com. Uh, you can also contact us on Twitter, at rotavizradio. Uh, and if you didn't win the, the pullover, you can still sign up for my bookie and get a 100% deposit bonus with the code Roto, Roto, RotoRadio. Um, my bookie will also add a $25 casino chip to whatever you deposit. Um, they give you the 100% bonus based on what you put in, and they kind of just give you a bonus as well. So, again, that's mybookie.ag, the promo code ROTORADIO. Uh, congrats to Steve, uh, and, yeah, check out my bookie. Um, yeah, so, uh, Sean, let me throw it back to you. I think, uh, I think you got the next question here. Well, this one this one was mine because this is my favorite. Every year on Rotoviz, I write an article talking about how Alex Smith is going to break out. And there was no actual Alex Smith article this year, but that – it's just sort of assumed, which is what I'm going to claim since this year he actually is breaking out. So with with the first five weeks and the Chiefs looking like the best team in football, Smith you know, trying to make fans forget about Pat Mahomes 
Ryan, can the Kansas City offense sustain something close to this level? And if it can, what does that mean for the specific, say, fantasy, fantasy useful players? So, so you had the reverse jinx with Smith and no article this year. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we, we can thank you for that. Um, no, they've been, they've been such a fun team to watch, and, and that, that's not something we really get to say about Kansas City uh, teams very often. It seems like even over the past few years when they have had some success, they, I wouldn't really call them fun even in those years, but with the, with guys like Tyreek Hill and uh, of course, Kareem Hunt, it, it's a completely different offense. And Smith is, is of course excelling in that. I think he's the quarterback one uh, through five games Again, pending tonight's action, I don't think either of these guys in the in the Monday night game are going to catch him. So through five games, he's QB one in fantasy, and and nobody saw that coming, uh, despite what you thought of of Hill or Hunt or any of their other uh, any of their other weapons. But I I do expect them to to continue this high level of play, and um, we have to start considering Smith as uh, a quarterback one. Uh, going forward, I think it's funny we we have a hard time um, accepting some of these changes that happen from year to year in fantasy football. Even like a player like Smith, who we've grown accustomed to uh, just being a, a middling quarterback two or even worse, to now treat him like a quarterback one to put him in your starting lineup every week sometimes is is a little difficult. I'm I'm actually remembering right now that I think I dropped him in in one of our dynasty leagues. It, it might have been our our hyperactive three league, Sean. But um, so obviously a bad mistake. But that's that's how he's being valued prior to the season. Yeah, you know what you're saying there about kind of taking a little while to like react to the changes. Reminds me a little bit of Matt Ryan last year because he had always been kind of the guy uh, that was kind of a low, lower ceiling guy. Like you, you knew that you weren't going to get some explosive, you know, quarterback one MVP type of season out of him, and then <laughs> that's of course exactly what he did. So I think that you know I feel myself kind of feeling the same way with Smith, where it's like, is this guy, you know, really a, a QB one and you know, can I just have Alex Smith on my team and that's all I need this year? It's it's uh, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around a little bit. Yeah, that's that's one of the I think one of the most difficult parts of playing Dynasty, especially at this uh, these early portions of the season like this, four or five weeks in, you have all this new information, all this new data, um, and it, I'm a I'm a third grade teacher and we talk about synthesizing and just how how you change your mind as you gain new information. Uh, and that's really what we're doing at this point of the fantasy season, trying to decide, are these players for real? Is Kareem Hunt really this good? Should he be the, should he be the running back one in dynasty? Is Amari Cooper really this bad? Uh, should we be trading him away before it's too late? Those are the types of questions that fantasy owners have to synthesize and have to uh, adjust and react to. Yeah. It, it makes it a really interesting time of year for dynasty for sure. Um, Another another kind of premium dynasty asset uh, I wanted to talk about is Derrick Henry. Uh, Henry was out-touched 18-4 by DeMarco Murray this last week. Uh, Murray may not even be completely healthy, so that was fairly surprising. Um, when Henry flashes, he appears to be perhaps more of a product of Mariota in the offense. 
uh, as a opposed to reminding us of the other young stars from the last two classes. Do you see potential for bust status here with Henry? Uh, it doesn't seem like the, the shine has come off too much from where Henry was preseason. So uh, he could be you know, someone that you could sell before other owners are sort of starting to synthesize the information. Uh, the new information from this season that you know he's probably not going to have the breakout that we were hoping for. Uh, if you do think owners should be selling, or at least if you're going to be shopping Henry around, what would you be looking to get back? Yeah, I actually would be shopping uh, shopping Henry. We we know about his uh, his body type, and that's not necessarily uh, the makeup of a traditional uh, fantasy football stud when at the running back position. So. Uh, that I, I agree with your point regarding kind of a reliance on on a Mariota offense, and um, though that's probably true of a, a lot of the top running backs across the league, um, we saw that one that one big game. Really, it was just one good half from Henry. I think that was in week two. Uh, beyond that, he's he's basically been a non-factor. Uh, the coaches there have said they they want to see a split, but. Like you said, eighteen to four is is not even close to a split. So that's that is a little concerning for Henry and for Henry owners. I would be shopping him, and I, I think you you have to get at least a future first rounder if you can add to it and get uh, get one of these rookie running backs, and, and maybe even go shopping for Dalvin Cook uh, with his injury. Ryan, before we let you go, I wanted to get into just a few college players. You're obviously. Um, readers and fans are familiar with you in terms of your developmental rankings and uh, in the kitchen sink your highest profile win in the developmental auction was Equinemia St. Brown our college football exit expert Jordan Hoover has St. Brown in his top 10 for 2018 and I own him in the industry industry developmental dynasty league that has a bunch of great owners is run by Wes Huber and so obviously I'm rooting pretty strongly for him, but the Notre Dame passing offense has been very disappointing this year. It hasn't been a system in which the players can really put up those stats that, at least to a certain extent, they need in order to then uh, be ready to declare for the draft and get drafted early enough to make them instant you know, fantasy-relevant types of players when they make that jump. So with him only having 211 yards and two scores through six weeks, where does that place his value, and how do you see him compared to another sort of production light player like Deion Kane, you know, compared to, say, bigger stars like James Washington and Cortland Sutton? Yeah, I was mentioning this the other day on, on Twitter. We all, all dynasty players like to look forward to that next uh, that next rookie class, really before the before that the current class has even stepped on the field, and and if you're in a developmental league, uh, Sean, like you are, and and like I am as well, then you're doing that even more so and and even more often. I've been pretty disappointed with this potential class of 2018. Uh, Saquon Bar- Barkley gets all the attention uh, as he should, and um, I think. We can go ahead and lock him into being the the top pick in rookie drafts, and and Darius Geis, despite his uh, his injury troubles early this season, and maybe a little bit of disappointment. I think he's he's locked in probably as the number two pick. Beyond that, 
I'm really kind of disappointed. You mentioned St. Brown struggles. That that is probably quarterback related. Uh, they've they've had trouble replacing Deshaun Kaiser. I think Brandon Winbush uh, is is the starter there prior to his injury, and and he just hasn't gotten it done. The entire Notre Dame offense has struggled. <clears throat> but the same really can be said about um, Cortland Sutton, uh, about Deion Kane, as you mentioned, Calvin Ridley. Kind of, kind of a similar situation, not seeing the passing volume or the receiving volume, I guess. Um, so just very few of those 2018 prospects are uh, really improving their, their Devi dynasty stock or their NFL draft stock so far this season. Um, a, a guy like Alden Tate from Florida State is a player that I had some concerns with, but he's taking advantage of, of some of the others' struggles and and playing well. And I feel like he's gaining some value again, both in the NFL draft and in dynasty leagues. Kane's a guy who another player I own in the other league. And I was interested in following the, our auction that he did not go for hardly anything at all. And yet at the same time, following 2018 mock drafts, reality mocks, I can continue to see, certain experts put him in even the top 10 or put him in that first tier of wide receivers. And he's a guy who, you know, will catch a 60 yard touchdown and then really won't be a factor in the game for, for multiple games in a row and then catch another 50 yard touchdown. Is it realistic to see him as a first round pick in in a reality setting? You know, are you getting the impression from the information that you're looking at, the people you talk to, that the fact that he played in many ways a similar role or not necessarily a similar role within the offense, but often overshadowed at times, even Mike Williams, is that kind of thing going to carry him up to where he could be a first round pick or does he really need to start to produce? I think he has to start to produce. Um, the The wide receiver class to me is is interesting because Prior to the season, fantasy owners at least were looking at Sutton and St. Brown as as the standouts. Maybe uh, maybe you could even say in a tier to themselves. But I, I don't think that's the case anymore. You look at those two guys, Washington and, uh, and, and Kane, of course, and Ridley and Christian Kirk from Texas A&M. It, it's, it's hard to differentiate. It's, it's hard to even rank those guys at this point, whether you're talking about fantasy football or potential NFL draft uh, spots because again, they, they have all uh, almost all, I I think Washington might be the exception, but beyond him, they, they just haven't lived up to the hype and the expectations this year. So, I mean, if we're, if we're projecting NFL draft right now, I'd say there might be one or two receivers in the first round, but I wouldn't expect Kane to be one of those. That's, that's kind of where I see it at this point as well. And, and I'm hoping certainly that those guys do start to flash a little bit, uh, not only so you get the early declare so you don't have to sit with another season of owning those players, but also uh, obviously you want that first round pick so they can come right in and and not lose the value that they had when you spent the, the auction dollars of the draft pick on them originally. 
Well, Ryan, it's been great to have you. Um, everyone, I think, knows that you're one of my very favorite fantasy analysts, and it's been a blast being in the league. Ryan and I are working on some trades. I, I put David Johnson on the trade block just because I, I like to put uh, whoever my most valuable players are, and especially in this case when he's potentially injured. So I have, I have David Johnson and, and Christian McCaffrey on the block right now. And we're talking about like at that, I usually ask for half of Ryan's team. So those <laughs> trades do tend to be declined, but it, it's been a blast in that. So Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotavizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotavizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com slash radio. We see the news that teen vaping's on the rise, but teens see something else. Internet videos that talk up fun flavors and downplay the dangers of nicotine. How can parents talk so kids will listen? Use facts. 1. Nicotine can rewire teens' brains. 2. It can make kids more anxious. 3. Changes to the brain can be permanent. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.